Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... John. Brian. And Glenn. He's, He's back. back. I'm back. <laughs> After a, a very long and an arduous journey through the jungle. That's right. Uh, Glenn has returned to us, and I You don't that, just get the nickname Lucky Larry. No, no. You, you gotta be lucky. lucky. <laughs> uh, Do you feel like you survived a disaster movie? At, at times. Was there an asshole human who played the villain? In, in kind of. <laughs> so some of you may have seen that there was a Jungle Cruise boat that sank. There was, there was an, in, an, an incident. An incident at Disney World. An incident? <laughs> Glenn was actually on the boat. I was, I, I was on the boat. In, in Orlando, Florida, the Dis Disney World, right? The, uh, yeah. Walt Disney World. So, uh, Glenn, take us through your experience on that particular ride. Okay, so it was um, it was Thursday. It's our last our last park day. Um, we had uh, gotten there in the morning. We had fast passes. First fast pass was Pirates of the Caribbean, which was was lovely. Which was lovely. Yeah. Um, they you know they added the uh, the redhead. Um, they, there's a a woman pirate in there now, um, which is kind of cool, but. Um, so yeah, well, we did that, and then we left, and then our second fast pass was for the world famous Jungle Cruise, one of uh, a classic, one of the original uh, Disney World rides. So, um, and we scanned our, our little magic bands, and up pulls our, our vessel. It was the Bertha, which, um, if you're familiar with the the Jungle Cruise thing, the Bertha is one of the wheelchair accessible boats. So we were the first ones on, me, Sandra, and little baby Felicity. We got on there. We sat on the front right next to Skipper, Skipper Kate. And um, they load all the people on. And um, for people not familiar, the Jungle Cruise is, it's a little boat that goes down a, uh, a, a fictional jungle river with animatronic animals and the, with the Skipper telling kind of corny dad jokes throughout. I think I might have been on it once, and I remember I hated it. It's fine. Just because it doesn't have real animals, and the animal kingdom's there now, so yeah, it's like, it doesn't make much sense to have it's it. It's a classic, though, and there's some there's some funny little gags in it. And it's mostly for kids, I think, now. Yeah, probably. It's going to be interesting to see if they add um, Dwayne Johnson in once the movie oh, comes Oh, yeah, they out. probably will change it up. Yeah, which I actually made a joke about that in the middle of this incident. So um, so anyway, we, we depart on our, our, our journey, and... When, right when you pull off the, the skipper, they, they start their little shtick where, you know, wave to everybody and tell them, see you later. Uh, I'm just kidding. You're never going to see these people again, sort of thing. So uh, we go to make the first little curve, and the skipper, God bless her, I feel so, felt so bad for her, makes this joke. She, she makes a joke, and no one laughs because you're not supposed to because they're not funny. And then she says, well, I see you're not going to laugh at my jokes. Well, if you don't laugh at my jokes, I might stop being your skipper and I might start being your swimming instructor. And she said that, and then we make the first little turn right before the animatronic lions are eating the zebras, and two people... Who, who are not animatronic? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so two people towards the back of the vessel shoot up, and the skipper says... Oh wait, wait! I need everybody sitting down. I need some. I need everybody sitting down during this during the, the this trip, and the people in the back said, "No, water's coming in the boat." And they said, and um, she's like, "Oh no, no, that's that's normal. There's a plug back there. Sometimes water leaks in the bottom, but once we make this turn and go straight, you know, the water will go go away." So they kind of looked confused, and they said, "Okay," and they sat back down. Maybe a second later, like four people shoot up, 
and Skipper Kate says, I need everybody seated down. This is, you know, I, I, we can't go if you don't sit down. And they're like, no, water's coming in the boat. And she said, I, she's like, I know you already told me that. Once we make this turn and let's go, the, the, the plug will, uh, will seal and all the water will leave the boat. At this point, everyone in the rear of the boat is starting to get up in there saying, no, you don't understand. This, you guys were in the front? We were sitting right next to the skipper, the very okay. front of the boat. Everybody in the back is saying, you don't understand. There's something wrong. There's a lot of water back here. So we start looking in the back, and there's a, there's quite a bit of water leaking in. From uh, We can't really see where yet. At this point, she just stops the engine, and the boat directly behind this is coming up with the skipper doing her little spiel. And Skipper Kate is going, skipper, skipper skipper and the boat keeps going and then she puts down her little microphone at the top of her lungs she screams joy stop your boat so she stops and she's like what's the matter and she's like we're taking on water and which time we look and water is starting to fill up the entire boat so i just pop my feet up on the little crate in the in the middle of the boat i'm holding felicity we're trying to keep her calm so we're just kind of talking to her then all of a sudden we hear this like kind of weird mechanical clunk and I don't know what the hell happened. It almost looked like something from the Matrix where someone hit delete. Because like it looked like the side of the boat was gone. And water was just pouring in the side of the boat. And the water is starting to come up really freaking fast now. So everybody jumps up and we're standing on the seats. And Skipper Kate doesn't have anything to stand up on. So she's just sitting there with the water rising up. And she's telling everybody, you know, don't panic. We're safe. There's only about four feet of water in, the, in this river. So we're okay. So the water just starts filling up, filling up. And she says, um, don't worry. She's like, we're going to feel the, uh, when you feel the boat bottom out, then there's, that, that means the four feet's there. There won't be any more water. So to her credit, we feel, we feel the boat hit bottom. We're all standing there. Skipper Kate's got water up to probably her waist. I got water up to about my mid shin. Sandra's got water up to about her knees. Um, we're, I'm holding Felicity, but it's kind of a weird angle because I'm to the point where I'm, I'm about 6'1", so I'm standing there holding Felicity, but there's a, a an awning, so it's not tall enough for me to stand up straight, so I'm kind of hunched over holding her, and we're trying to keep her calm, so we're kind of singing Frozen songs to her and talking to her, and uh, with Skipper Kate, keep on. she kept on reassuring everyone that we were safe, and no, we're safe. Just please don't get out of the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay on the inside of the railings. Just stand here. I'm in con- I'm in contact with my coordinator. They're going to be sending somebody. Don't worry. And then um, I, 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 that's when I asked if they were sending Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt <laughs> to, to rescue us. And that this was all a publicity thing for the movie in which I made Skipper Kate laugh. And um, she, then she told everybody, she's like, someone's coming. It's just It might take a little while because they need to put one of the Jungle Cruise boats on... I don't really know if there's a track or how it works, but there's some sort of tether where they're not really steering, but there is a, an engine. It's not a real boat. I mean, it's a boat. It, it floats and it you definitely like sinks. It can't. But, it can't work as it. it can't right. Just, there's definitely a, an independent engine, yeah. but they don't. That's not them steering. Right. So it's tethered to something. It's a track. Probably. Yeah, it's there's a track or a tether, but it definitely it's enough where it's you know yeah. floating. So they had to load one of the boats on there backwards, and it had to go through the whole ride in reverse to get to us. So we're sitting there, and um, we're, like I said, our main thing is we're trying to keep Felicity calm. So we're being very chill and just talking to her. And I had to be very nonchalant when this lady next to me starts freaking out, pointing 
at my leg going hee hee and when I looked down this massive freaking roach is just climbing up my leg so I had to swat that away with and like oh that's nothing don't worry about that <laughs> and um after we were, so we were like this and at one point I had to start I had to give Felicity over to Sandra and we started passing her back and forth just because my back started to seize up just how, how we, was was Felicity upset she was fun. I don't think she really knew what was going on just because we were like playing with her so yeah, much. Yeah, and then she didn't have to actually get in the water. Yeah, she wasn't so. in the water. Yeah, so we, I w- she just knew we were holding her. Right. And, and kind of talking, like singing and playing with her. So she was okay. Just, I mean, our, our, our like knees were knocking. We were, sh- we were all shaking because this water was freezing. And the day before it had rained and the temperature had dropped quite a bit. So it was pretty chilly out. So we're standing in, you know, I was my mid shin high water. Sandra was, as I said, knee high water. For about twenty five minutes, we were like this, and then eventually, here comes the rescue boat with two people in it, and it, it pulls up. And so, you know, everybody's like, "Yay!" You know, we're saved. And um, so then we're like, "All right, so what's next?" And they said, "Well, generally, when this happens, uh, we just tie one boat to the next, and we just." <laughs> tow it in where the new boat just acts as the engine and so i think we all kind of look confused because our boat's on the floor like we're completely bottomed out we're standing on the seats like i don't know how that's going to work over here skipper kate talking to the rescue boat about so how are we going to handle the hippo pond if we're going there and this boat's completely like on the bottom because they they're going to cause waves and you know they come out there can we turn them off and they're like oh we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out at this point, the people in the back of the boat decide to interject. Hey, do y'all know this boat's leaking something? And the people in the rescue boat say, excuse me? And they're like, there's some sort of chemical. We don't know if it's gas or oil, but something's pouring out of this boat into the water. Oh, Jesus. So that's when the rescue boat looks at everybody and says, all right, we're just going to have to do a water evac. And we all said, well, what does that mean? And they went, I'm going to jump out of the boat. I'm going to wade to shore. They said, it's only four feet deep. Well, Sandra says, I'm five foot one. Four, four feet isn't exactly shallow to me. And our daughter has been dry at this point. At the, so now everyone starts to go completely apeshit. People are screaming, I'm not getting into this water. It's full of bugs. Who knows what's down there? It's filthy. Four feet, it's freezing. You know, it's four feet deep. This one little, they have this little five-year-old boy that starts crying. Everybody's so. got cell phones in their pockets and stuff and, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah, cell phones, key fobs. I mean... Yeah, so everyone starts going, losing their minds. At this point, Felicity starts having a meltdown. She's screaming. Sandra starts crying and, like, pleading, like, at least let me put my baby on the boat, on your rescue boat. And they're like, we can't do that. It's not safe. There's no, the boats are not together. Like, well, she's like, please, she's only two. Look, she's scared. Let's Just let me put her on your boat. And they're like, no, we can't let you on our boat. To this point, this random woman that I've never seen before with an LSU sweatshirt on looks at Sandra and says, honey, if you're ready to storm that boat and jump on there, I got your back and I'm right behind you. So when she says that, the woman in the rescue boat gets on a cell phone and says, okay, I got authorization. If y'all are very careful, y'all can climb over to this boat. So I'm holding Felicity. Sandra has to climb onto the bow of this boat of our sunken vessel, the Bertha, God rest. And climbs onto <laughs> climbs onto the rescue boat, and I pass her Felicity. Then I climb onto the rescue boat, and as I'm doing that, the fire department's showing up with a hook ladder. Fire department? What's on fire? <laughs> well, they they're hooking a ladder to the side of the boat. 
they're guiding people into this jungle, like walking over this ladder like it's a makeshift bridge, while probably about the the front half of of the deceased Bertha has now gone onto the rescue boat. And so as we're about to pull off, Tondra says, "You better take some pictures." So I snapped about five pictures of of our of our dearly departed boat, and um, we leave and. To the person driving the rescue boat's credit, he did the entire show as we were <laughs> leaving there. Did all, all the jokes and everything as we left. He gave Felicity two little like trading cards and um, to calm her down. So we get to the dock, and there's a bunch of Disney cast members sitting there with hot chocolate towels and blankets. So we all get off. They're all like putting the towels over our shoulders like and uh, giving us blankets and hot chocolate. Um, they, they, then somebody from Disney with like a blazer came up and asked for me and Sandra's, they wanted our names, our phone numbers, our email addresses and our home address. Cause they said someone be, would be in contact soon to quote, make you happy. I, I actually read that on Twitter oh, really? that, that apparently that was the line he gave to everybody. Yeah. So, um, we went and sat down, took off our shoes and our socks. Somebody gave us each, let's see, it was three of us, so they gave me three $25 gift cards. And at first they said, this is so uh, y'all can go get some warm socks. So we sat there in our bare feet, and then I think somebody put two and two together and realized how we were going to go buy socks. We weren't going to go walk through the Magic Kingdom in our bare feet. So somebody came with a bag full of Disney socks. So they gave us all two pairs of socks. And then at this point, Felicity starts asking for milk. So I find the guy that was handing out hot chocolate, and I'm like, you know, hot chocolate's good and all, but um, she's asking for milk. Can you, is that a problem? They said, oh, no, I'll take care of that. And this this kid, I wish I would have got his name because he hauled ass. He took off running and came back. He was all out of breath. He had two cartons of milk. He's like, I had to go run halfway across the park to, to get this, but I got it. She didn't want chocolate, did she? <laughs> And I'm like, no, this is good. And he's like, because I should have said, you damn right, you want a chocolate. You better go back. <laughs> no <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> Give me a milk, chocolate. chocolate. So, uh, but he he says I would have ran and gotten her chocolate too. So I'm like, no, that's good. So you should have said, well, you know what, go get me some. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with my hot chocolate. Felicity's got her milk. This other cast member comes up, and um, they're like, is pointing to Felicity. Is she okay? And we're like, oh, she's okay now. She was a little scared before. And then she kneeled down. She had her hands behind her back, and she asked what her name was. And we said, oh, it's it's Felicity. So she's like, Felicity, I need to ask you a favor. And Felicity's just kind of looking at this woman. She's like, I have a friend here who I can't take care of. Uh, and then she pulled this little stuffed creature. Uh, apparently, Lilo and Stitch, there's a female Stitch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's like, this is Angel. Stitch. She's like, this is Angel. This is yeah. She's like, this is Angel. It's actually Stitch's little girlfriend, and I can't take care of her. Can you take her home and love her and make sure she's well taken care of? And Felicity gave the whole thing a hug, and it was like the cutest thing ever. Nice. So got it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, at this point, we're sitting there. I got my gift card, got my socks, got my rescue blanket, which is one of the like rainbow Mickey blankets they must have had for um, one of the gay days. And uh, um, we all we had uh, these beach towels. That, they were actually kind of nice. They looked like the ma- magic. Con. <laughs> they looked like the magic carpet from Aladdin. The the beach towels. So um, then somebody came and they all like, uh, well, we got some fast passes for y'all. So like we got you for get, the jungle cruise. Yeah, we got three fast passes for whatever, whatever you want to use today. So like okay, and he's like, 
is there anything else that uh, we can get to help you out? And I kind of half giggled, and I'm like, some shoes? Because <laughs> our shoes are completely drenched yeah. at this point. And they were like, they kind of looked up, and they're like, let's, uh, we'll try to work on that. Um, what sizes are y'all? So we gave them our sizes. And as we're sitting there, we see a lot of people in walkie-talkies, and we're like, they said, all right, we've got two cast members shopping right now. Apparently, they are finding shoes for everybody. And in about 15 minutes, they came with this giant bag. like Michael fucking Clayton. Yeah, they came with this giant bag, and they were like, all right, who's in there naming, you know, all the sizes? And they pull out Crocs, and I look at Sandra, and I'm like, they're going to fucking make me wear Crocs, aren't they? I bet you you were comfortable as hell. Because Crocs get a bad rep. And... um and she's like, yeah. Well, she's like, and then they, they did say they're like, we're, we're kind of limited on men, men's shoes. We don't really sell men's shoes here. But um, they're like, here's some Crocs. So they gave me Crocs. They gave Felicity shoes and they gave Sandra shoes. So from the minute the boat sank to the minute we walked out of the Jungle Cruise, it was about three hours. So the first thing we did, we, we called the parents because we're like, before this hits the news, yes, we were on the boat, but we're okay. Then after we went and sat at Casey's Corner, we ordered a hot dog, and we just kind of stared for a while. Like, I can't believe this this, this this just happened. So my first question is, Crocs aren't that bad, right? They're comfortable. My they, answer is whatever you say, they're they, pretty bad. They look they, goofy. They, oh, they look terrible. But they feel great. Do, do they have Mickey on them? Or what yeah, they? yeah, they're Mickey Crocs. Oh, there you go. Which, after, I was kind of curious, and I went locked, and they cost $50. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Are any pairs of Crocs worth fifty dollars? Right no, no. Even Jesus. if they've got little Mickey holes all over them. No. That, oh, that's kind of cool. But n- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's the force of a different color. In case the you know listeners didn't know, Ryan's a huge advocate for Crocs. I'm not. A, I just I think they get a bad rap. They're very very common. Remember, remember. Why do they have the straps on the back? Remember? I don't remember. That. So they don't fall off during sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But, uh, I, they, they they were comfortable in the short term, but but like that was. Like I said, uh, you know, somewhere around noonish, by about ten o'clock that night, my, my my feet were a little sore, but they might have been sore regardless. It was it was a weird day. So, uh, so when are we all going to Disney World for free? That I'll, I'm waiting to hear, I'm waiting to hear what I'm getting to make me happy. I, I I've I've actually been debating with some 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 discussions. I think y'all are going to get something, some, some pretty something substantial from them. I've heard some some different opinions. Sandra doesn't think we're getting anything. She oh, that's a load of crap. Oh, you're, you're going to get something. She doesn't even think Disney we're getting Disney goes above and beyond when things go right. Yeah. So when something they goes might wrong. might make you the new CEO. Maybe. <laughs> I, like, Don't fuck it up, Glenn. Yeah. I, know, right? <laughs> I was talking to my, ex, my ex-wife about it, and she was like, well, I think they'll probably get like a free vacation. I was like, I think they're going to get more than that because – they could make all kinds of arguments that you know Felicity's you know scared to ever go back to this. Do not reveal their legal strategy on the show. I, I'm curious. I'm wondering if they were looking up to see like, <laughs> oh shit, this, these people they've gone every every other year since 2012, and now we freaked out their two year old. I mean, it's uh, y'all have been a big advocate for Disney, and you know y'all even uh, you know the posts on social media y'all weren't negative about everything that happened. I actually tweeted a cast compliment to Skipper Kate because I thought. Dependent, considering what happened, she yeah. was fantastic. Considering she's probably one of the college program kids. Because I yeah. saw somewhere that a lot of the Jungle Crew skippers, they're a lot of the drama kids because that's how they like. Yeah, they're good at like improv with the jokes and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm 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 very. They, I was like one. I I was kind of curious if they were going to make a sign an NDA, which they didn't. Um, 
And then I was see if you can get them to sponsor the podcast. They, yeah, have a Disney sponsored podcast. Say, you know what? We don't want vacations. I want you guys to sponsor our oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> record from the top of the contemporary. There you go. <laughs> Move us to Orlando, yeah. all of us. I mean, we'll even do a little, you know, a little live read every week. Yeah, we'll do it. I mean, we could just do a podcast talking about Disney movies. One particular Disney movie every week. Every week. Uh, uh, I'll start with Flight of the Navigator. I like that. I like Flight of the Navigator. Actually, it's a uh, this dad does Disney. It's a little plug for you, Jason. If you're listening to us, he does that. He oh, we we we, we listen to and watch Diz Unplugged every week. In fact, we saw one of the uh, the guys in uh, Epcot the day before this happened, and then I um, DM'd one of the guys when this happened, and I was messaging. Uh, his name's Rhino. We we're messaging back and forth, and um, I think they're going to tell our story on on their show. So but, um, you haven't heard from them yet. Not yet. How would you rate the vacation? Besides, oh, it was great. It was great. Um, I'd, I first I got to see Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Did you make a lightsaber? I couldn't because you need to make a reservation and they book up a reservation. Yeah, to make a lightsaber. Because it's a whole show. Oh. Like, you go in, like, you, you you have to go in, and, I mean, the way that the the Star Wars area is set up, it's completely immersive. So, when you go walking through Hollywood Studios, you see this, like, archway with, like, this tunnel. And once you walk through the tunnel, you're in Star Wars. It's, it's like, you can't see anything else Disney. And, in fact, even the shops there, nothing says Star Wars on it. It's all stuff that you would buy at this outpost. Oh, that's badass. So so once you walk through like the music changes where John Williams he composed a theme song for Galaxy's Edge that he won a Grammy for apparently this past year. And you're walking through you're walking through with this new John Williams theme song playing. The droids are walking around. Chewbacca is the, working the on gonk the gonk droid. The little gonk droids are around. The, the, I, there was a gonk droid. They got stormtroopers walk just kind of chilling. Um and Kylo Ren's tie Tie Fighter, I forget uh, what the name of it is. That's there. Tie Silencer. Yeah, it's in full scale. Um, the Millennium Falcons there, full scale. Which every now and again you'll see Chewbacca go and start working on it. <laughs> um, Ray's going around. Which, funny enough, that uh, one of the rides there kind of broke on me too. This was kind of a funny story because all right, so Rise of the Resistance, I got to ride it. Which if um, it's it's hard to get a chance to ride this thing. Why? Because um, the way that they do it, they don't give fast passes, and there's not a standby queue. It's called a virtual queue system. So when the park opens, you go on the Disney app, and you need to get a digital boarding pass, and which is pretty much your reservation to ride the ride. So these things, everyone's been getting to that park so early that the these digital boarding passes are gone within... And it's, it's day of. You're day of. Day of. They're gone within five minutes. <clears throat> a lot of the times, like for the whole day. So we got that. We, we, here are all the tricks. So if you're going to Galaxy's Edge, you want to ride Rise of the Resistance. This is by experience. This works. You need to get there a little early, not crazy early. Some people are getting there 430 in the morning. That's not necessary. The uh, When we went, the park opened for eight. So we got there an hour early. So we got there because you have to be beyond the um, where you scan your magic band. So you have to be inside the actual park to... Uh, for the GPS to allow you to get one of these boarding passes. So you got to be inside the park. It's best to go away from Galaxy's Edge because that's where everybody is and it kind of jams everything up. Turn off the free Disney Wi-Fi because everybody's on it trying to get one of these bastards. So we went over to Toy Story Land. Me and Sandra, we turned off our Wi-Fi, 
right at right at eight o'clock we went and we started hitting you know refreshing until sandra actually got through first and we got boarding pass number 56 in which they uh said you know they would text us when it was our turn to ride the ride so um we went past our day you know we went and rode slinky dog and did all the toy story stuff and uh we were watching the muppet show when they messaged us that it was you know our uh our number had come up and we had i think three hours was our window to go and do the ride so we had to do rider swap since felicity wasn't big enough so um what they did we had to go find one of the cast members and so we needed to do rider swap so they they asked well who's going to go in first and sandra's like well, you know glenn's going to go in first so um they scanned Sandra's magic band and said, "All right, you just have a now you have a pass to come back and ride it, and it's for the rest of the day. So when he gets off, if you know y'all have another fast pass or a dining reservation or something, you've got till the rest of the day to come back." So I go there and I'm in the queue, which is amazing, by the way. You're going through this; it's like the it looks just looks like you're in Star Wars. It's this like hollowed out tunnel with like pieces of tech in the walls and stuff. And um, I get to the end and I'm by myself, so I'm with a bunch of strangers. And this um, voice comes through saying that there are technical problems. So one of the the resistance fighters there comes out and says, um, "Yeah, there the, there's some issues with the ride, but it shouldn't take too long because they're let it, they didn't tell us to evacuate y'all. They said y'all could stay in the queue." So I said, "Okay." So I texted Sandra that you know ride was down, but they said it shouldn't be long. After about two or three minutes, they came out and they were giving everybody bottles of water, which was kind of cool because it was like a Dasani bottle, but Dasani was written in the Star Wars language. Yeah. So they gave us all bottles of water. Then after a few seconds, somebody came out with another tray full of cookies and popcorn and chips and bananas. And doesn't uh, sound like two minutes to me. I know. So they gave they they like anybody want snacks? So we we took snacks. Then a few minutes later, they come back with another tray. Anybody need more snacks? Like yeah. At, at this point, well, at this point, I'm kind of adding up how much they charge for this stuff, and I'm like, I'll take whatever you want to give me. I'll just bring it out. After that. Ray shows up, and Ray's like, uh, uh, Ray walks in and says, I'm going to give a complimentary photo to anybody who wants to take a picture with me. So Ray went and took a picture with everybody in line. Uh, then they came back with another thing of treats. And after that, that's when Sandra texted me that Felicity was getting a little antsy. So I went and found someone. I'm like, look, I can't. It seems like it's going to be a while. I'm here on Rider Swap. My wife's with, the daughter, with my daughter by herself. So they said, okay. So they gave me a fast pass for the rest of the day to come back and ride it. So we, we left, and then I, we came back that uh, that evening, and we both rode it. And that's the best ride I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I'm almost I'm hesitant to even describe it because I don't want to give spoilers if people want to go experience this. But the ride itself isn't that long, but from the beginning to the end, like it just makes you feel like you're in the movie. Where even like the actors film stuff for it because I, I mean this I guess isn't gonna the, the ride kind of starts you get to this little room and there's like all this tech everywhere and an animatronic BB-8 rolls out and starts you know you know talking to you and then after that this hologram array appears and you know Ray's theme starts playing and she's like telling you you know thanking you for joining the resistance. And in in the middle of her like talking to you, all these TV screens start popping on, and Poe Dameron's there saying that the First Order's found you and they need to evacuate us and stuff like that. And it's amazing. It's it really. John Boyega he filmed stuff too, and so did um, General Hux. And it's just it's you really feel like you're inside this the, the movie. Um, 
if if y'all have any questions, you know, I'll answer. But like I said, I'm hesitant to give out any spoilers. Is our Lord and Savior Babu Frick in it? No, because this this whole area takes place in between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So we haven't met Babu Frick. Disney, yet. if you're listening, what Glenn wants is he wants Babu Frick. And that that would make me happy. <laughs> we, we need to shoot higher than that. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> so, but yeah, good trip. Um, you know, we ate at the new restaurant in Epcot that just opened, the Smokehouse, Sam the Eagle's Smokehouse. Ah, it was. Is it in, a, is it in America? Yeah, it's in the America, America Pavilion. It's. It's fantastic. <laughs> Is it in America? <laughs> well, I mean, Sam the Eagle. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 the uh, Regal Eagle. It's the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, and um, it's a quick service restaurant. It's it's fant- it's it's amazing. It's fantastic. Sweet. So. Well, I mean, we're going. We're going to bring our kids in you know, next yeah. year. All of us going. So uh, the girls can go bibbity bobbity boutique and leave us the hell alone. Yeah. To go build our lightsabers. Yeah. I did get a, a lightsaber hilt. I got an Obi Wan Kenobi one. Nice. So. Um, How much was that? It was about a hundred bucks. And they, it was it would have been an extra fifty if I wanted the blade, but I just wanted the hilt. But um, it came it, it's gorgeous. I mean, yeah. it looks just like it. But uh, it's I can't say enough about Galaxy's. The the blue milk stand was 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 a hit. It was it's very refreshing. It looks like milk, but it just tastes like a blue raspberry slushy. Um, is the mercy. is the consistency like milk? It just tastes like a slushy. I mean, lo- like I'm tar- Is it like? Like milk, or is it like a slushy? It's it's like a slushy. It just looks like milk. It's looks weird because like, okay. when you see it, it doesn't like what you drink doesn't match what you see. I got gotcha. you. Like butter, popcorn, Mike and eggs. Yep. It, exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, great trip. You know, great memories. If if I don't have to sign an NDA, I will let you know what um, what apparently will make us happy. <laughs> apparently, we're gonna get whatever's in that suitcase in uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, what would make us happy is having a little conversation about Jean Luc Picard, a Picard. friend we haven't visited in a while. Now, I'm not fully caught up. Glenn is uh, a couple um, of us. Have, I think I'm one episode behind, maybe. You're two, I think. You're when, two, yeah. where, what's the last thing you saw? The last thing I saw was uh, the seven of nine showed up. So you didn't see the full episode with her? No, she just All showed right. up at the very end. You're, you're two behind. Okay. Yeah, that's that's two behind. The uh, we said we'd talk about it when seven showed up, so we'll kind of. We're in the mi- mi- we're in the middle of the um, season. Um, before we were actually starting to record, we we're talking about Ryan X. If, if the quote unquote true fans were still up in arms, and we we're kind of having a conversation about that, and we just kind of all can't understand it. Um, they don't like what they turned the Federation into. They don't like Picard being kind of a crotchety old man, and they really don't like what they did with seven and nine. So apparently the Star Wars fan base is not the only toxic fan it's, base it's out not, there. But it's not, it's not that. It's, I think it's just people in general on the internet. It's, mm-hmm. it's nothing to do with any kind of group's fan base. It's just people. It's like idiots. it's the group of people that are such big fans that they can't wait for the new thing to come out, but no matter what it is, they're not going to like it because it's different from what they've seen before. You're exactly right. It, this is not everyone, you know, this isn't Star Trek The Next Generation. And I mean, I mean, well, I mean, it's like it's like Star Wars, and I know there was you know, and we're not gonna get into the whole Last Jedi thing again, but I mean, there was the group of people that didn't like the Last Jedi, and the reason they gave was because it went too far away from the original, and then those same people complained about Rise of Skywalker, oh, because it was just like the original. It's like, well, that's what you complained about the last time, so it's like you just can't make people happy. I don't know necessarily if those were the, the same groups of people, but in this particular scenario uh, with Star Trek, I kind of feel I, I I would actually equate it more to Man of Steel. As an example, because the people that were complaining about in Superman Returns, he doesn't throw a punch, which he didn't even in Super the Superman the movie, um, were 
kind of thrown aback by the departure of all the action in, in Man of Steel. And I think to a degree, what's happening on Picard, first of all, we've seen it in Discovery, and those fans also don't like Discovery. Oh, they, yeah, they also do not like Discovery. But we've seen it in stuff like, you know, uh, Section 31 showing up in Deep Space Nine. Which, Certain and, elements of Voyager oh, sure. were the same way. Which, and I think some of these fans, they're just so enamored by Gene Roddenberry's original idea of, you know, there shouldn't be conflict. Which, that went away with Gene Roddenberry, God rest. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. The second he was not involved in the show anymore, he, his edict was that had to, everything had to be resolved within that hour. And they immediately went to doing two-parters and stuff like that after he, he stepped right. down. Um, so again, I think from a... I get Gene Roddenberry's vision, and I love his, his vision, but there's also like things that get us there. And there's things like, you know, again, the soul of the Federation can still be at stake. Look at, look at what's going on in our country as right. a whole, or, or different places around the world. Which, like, there's, there's things that happen that this is directly allegorical to. And I think you just hit the nail on the head, <laughs> because great science fiction shows you a mirror to what's currently going on, which is what Picard's yeah. doing, and I think it might be making some people uncomfortable. Uh, you, you may be right about that, but it, that's always when what it's done. It's we always done. We talked before about how, you know, uh, in Deep Space Nine we had the... the the lesbian kiss, but it wasn't weird because they were women. It was supposed to be weird because it was a taboo in their culture. Right. Um, same thing with, like, you know, the interracial kiss in the 60s that Star Trek gave. Or in Deep Space Nine when it got introduced, like, Bajorans and the religion. And Well, it, but Bajorans also, like, Kira was a terrorist. Right. You know, they, they're, you know, if you watch what we leave behind, they talk about how they, this show probably wouldn't have been able to have been done today. Right. No, totally. But because you had a terrorist as a main character. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a harshness with it. And I think I, what I appreciate about Star Trek and, and Star Wars as well is that thing that I love about sci-fi where it, it, it teaches you without preaching to you. Right. And that's kind of what Picard's doing. It's in the context of what is happening in this time. And in this time, Starfleet has gotten kind of complacent. I mean, you got to think of where they were. I mean, like the, one of their big major enemies is, has been kind of taken out to a large degree. Right. And it changes the structure of things. Yeah, I've been listening to the Picard podcast that the writers do, and um, which Patrick Stewart did the first one, and he's very like hands-on. He's an executive producer on this, and he was very insistent on how he didn't want this to be part two of the next generation. He wanted it to be different. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, is that apparently there's a, in, it's in the comic, if I'm not mistaken, or it might be in a, like a, a novel or whatnot, they revealed who is the captain of the Enterprise after Picard. Oh, do we know him? No, oh, yeah, you do. Is it Wesley Crusher? It is not. Oh, Thank God. It is the, the first Klingon commander Worf. of the Federation flagship. Worf becomes the, oh. is recommended by Picard to become the captain. Oh, it is a Gort. So the, the Enterprise is captained by Captain Worf. Oh, awesome. Which I think is kind of cool. And, it, and it, from what I understand, that is canon, so. Okay. But, like, they even, they said how Patrick Stewart, like, he was... I mean, we know from the commercials that Riker shows up, but he was very resistant to that. Like, he wanted it, this to be a completely different animal kind of thing. And they had to convince him of some story reasons why, why Riker would be involved. And I, I can understand that, too, because you need to sell me on that as well. Right. Like, Seven of Nine showing up, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It, it kind of makes sense. And I, I know Ryan's just been introduced to her, but kind of what she's doing makes 100% perfect right. sense. Right, and the stuff that they're doing with the Borg in general, because, like, someone kind of described them as almost being, like, these liberated Borg being, like, almost like former child soldiers. Yeah. Where they're these people that were forced to do things against their will, and now they're still, 
you know, dealing with the repercussions. Well, we've been introduced back to Hugh. Right. Um, and, and he was Ryan, in this past episode, which I don't think you've seen. He was in it quite I, a bit. Yeah, he was in it quite a bit. But Ryan, like, you know, Hugh coming back on board, too. It's kind of like, you know, where do these people go right. when they can't be accepted anywhere and they went to the Romulans? Right. So, I mean, the fact that the Borg were almost a, a, a natural resource at this point for... And which on that Picard podcast, the writers said that um, they had always viewed when, when they had always viewed in the uh, all the original stuff, they reviewed the um, the Klingons as kind of a version of uh, of USSR, and um, the Romulans were always like Mao's China, where yeah. their whole currency, everything was secrets. So it's it's kind of cool what they're doing with the Romulans now that you know. The repercussions of their planet being destroyed and stuff like that, but um, I'm really loving Picard. I, don't, I I love the show. Yeah, I'm not allowed to watch it by myself, but, <laughs> but it's yeah, I, like I really like. It, it's amazing. It, it's it's really like, first of all, to see like the the tech uh, in the show, it really looks like like when we looked at Next Generation, it was like they were trying to have ideas about how it should look, and now it really looks like it's the future tech. Right. Like it looks like Discovery tech, basically. Yeah, and Star Trek has kind of always been like we don't really care how it matches up, but right. yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see that. But it's also like the concept of because we're not dealing with someone always in space, we're getting to see more of what life is like on Earth. Sure, and the fact that they have these transporters that you just show up on the street that you're supposed to be on, right? Or the fact that like how do you do a phone call? Right. Yeah. On planet Earth, so yeah, it's been kind of cool. But this uh, the seven episode, Ryan, I can't wait till you actually see. Oh yeah, she's badass. Yeah. I'll get to it. And they actually, we get to see what happened to uh, a, a Voyager, another Voyager cast member. That surprised me. There's actually yeah. a couple name drops in that yeah. second to last episode that's uh, that kind of surprised me. Yeah. Including a couple D- Deep Space Nine references. Right. Um, in other Star related news, we talked about Star Wars a lot, but the Clone Wars has come back. It's kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, yeah. Disney Plus, um, Dave Filoni's finally getting to finish what he started, <laughs> much like Kylo Ren. Um, so yeah, when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, Cartoon you know, Cartoon Network was playing Clone Wars and they kind of put the kibosh on that. And uh just started over with Rebels. Well now with Disney Plus, Dave Filoni was able to go back and and finish his show. So season seven of the Clone Wars, we've we've now been in two episodes. First one was called The Bad Batch and the second one was called The Distant Echo. Um and it's really cool. They went back to the, the the animation style of the original original show. All the original voices are back. Um, I get the feeling this is going to be a long season. I'm not sure how many because nothing's really happened yet. I think as far 13 as thirteen episodes, that's it. Is well twelve. This doesn't seem short season. I mean, that doesn't seem like much. We haven't. Ahsoka hasn't shown up at all. Well, I know like some people that are watching these first few episodes aren't that surprised because StarWars.com released the original animatics that Dave Filoni had drawn when he thought the show was over with, and that's what they're doing right now is all the, his original plans with uh, the Bad Batch, which was a cool idea with these clones that, I don't know, there was some problem in the cloning procedure. Yeah, each, each of them have some kind of problem that they deem not worthy to be going, thrown into the clone army, so they're, they're sort of like... They're like, like the X Men. Yeah, like one of them is is too big. One of them is just too too, too small. One of them's like kind of too just too. Right. Yeah, it's like it's all. There's something wrong with them, where they're not identical to the others. 
Is one of them like missing courage and one missing the heart <laughs> and one missing the brain? Well, it's more like the the squad from like Predator, where they're all yeah. they're all together, and one of them super strong, and the other one's like super smart, but he's too but he's small. One of them is like a sharpshooter, and so he can see like far away, but he's not that good up close. And it's it's pretty cool the way they do it, and like the the main guy that's kind of their leader. I like how he has the mullet and the red bandana, like Rambo. There you go. But um. It's really cool when they're dealing with um, Rex and, and uh, there was uh, another one of his um, his compatriots, Echo, that there he was supposedly killed in the series, but they think he's still alive, so they're trying to find him. But um, it's not, not much with the Jedi yet. Just Anakin's in the second one a lot, but and there was a cool scene with him and Padme and Obi Wan. Yeah, I thought was, yeah that was pretty cool in the first episode, right? It was the second one. It was one. the second one? Yeah. Okay. When, I mean, it doesn't really give away much. Anakin's talking to Padme. To Padme. Through a like a hologram. Right. And Rex is covering for him. And um, Obi-Wan's looking for Anakin. And him and Rex have really funny kind of back and forth, almost like a sitcom. And then when Anakin comes back, Obi-Wan says, I hope you told Padme I said hi. So it kind of insinuates that Obi-Wan knows what's going From on. From the very beginning, he's known. Yeah. He's known what's going on with Anakin and Padme. But... Uh, it's cool. I, I definitely if you, if you watched the original ones, it is frustrating to watch one at a time. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, because I'm used to I binged the whole thing on Netflix, and it's hard to watch because they go by fast. Oh yeah, they're only 25 minutes. I mean, they're very like they're very fast paced and really well done. Uh, you guys got to go see the Invisible Man. Well, Glenn and I didn't. I, I did not. But John, and the last and Invisible John Man Ryan. I saw was Hollow. He Hollow. turned clear. So well, you, that's what happens in this one too, the ba- the the bad guy he clear he, he clear in a different way yeah um, like, like a Scientology clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does start Scientology. Yeah, <laughs> she is a Scientologist. So, um, this uh, the Invisible Man, Elizabeth Moss plays this character who basically she lives with this guy, and she the movie opens with them sleeping. Well, he's sleeping in, in the bed, and she's laying next to him, but not sleeping. And she has planned some elaborate escape from this amazing house um, filled with all kinds of crazy shit. And basically, as she, she's able to escape, and after she escapes, it turns out the guy, not long after, supposedly commits suicide. And she inherits like $5 million of his estate, so long as she is not convicted of a crime or is able to you know maintain like they're, they're not like her mental stability is still intact yeah. and not long after this like little things start happening to her and she starts to suspect that something's going on and she believes that this guy is because apparently he's a, a specialist in optics and different technologies like that and, and he's be- supposed to be like one of the, like world renowned right and optics. she believes he's come up with a way to make himself invisible and is tormenting her and of course everybody thinks she's crazy and from then on out that's when everything kind of goes that's where your story takes off and i don't want to get into too much of it because there was actually some twists and turns i was not expecting yeah yeah there's some good stuff in it the beginning when you were kind of describing it, and I, I thought it when we were wa- when I was watching it, it was kind of like uh, kind of like the beginning of Sleeping with the Enemy. Yes, very much. Yeah. Um, I loved this movie like a lot more than I thought yeah. I would. One of the things I loved, like the opening sequence with her trying to plan her escape, it says so much about 
like the movie without actually there's no dialogue yeah but like you by the the elaborate way she has to go about trying to escape you know that this guy is really smart he's really dangerous and very pretentious and you you get an idea of the kind of person he is just by what the measure she has to go to to yeah. escape so he hasn't even even really been introduced as a character yet but yet you already feel like you know him so when thing when he starts to torment her later on in the movie there's a sense of dread because you know this guy is dangerous and elizabeth moss gives an amazing performance when she is literally we talk about before like you know, movies like The Martian and Castaway where an actor is by themselves. She's like that in a lot of the movie and yeah. she does an amazing job. Um I, I was bl- I was surprised how much I loved it. Yeah. Hollow Man was an enjoyable movie because it didn't take itself seriously. Right. It, it was, was goofy kind of, though. It was goofy. This was a very serious psychological like thriller and I was amazed how much I loved it. Yeah. And I was, I mean, just seeing the, I haven't really heard that much about it coming out. Yeah, and I wasn't neither. really I was like, yeah, let's just go I'll go see something and I was very impressed with it. So is is this going to be like the universal monster thing? I mean, is it? Well, I think I, I read a comment somewhere online where they talk some kind of way. I don't know if this is the same director from the Tom Tom Cruise mummy movie. No, I thought this was, wasn't this a Blumhouse? It's a Blumhouse okay, movie, well, but I mean, it's not. Someone must have asked it. the director about that and that movie. And they were talking about how, you know, you ha- you can't treat these type of films like that you have to take them like seriously or whatever and I don't know if it's going to be connected or not but uh, it doesn't matter because I just thought it was fantastic yeah. um, low budget too right if it was they did a really good job with low tech effects yeah um, and I really loved the, the whole invisibility angle and what like what he actually came up with to make mm-hmm. himself invisible yeah. it seemed more plausible than the uh, like you know than Kevin Bacon just phasing out of our visual universe or whatever the hell he came up with in Hollow Man. But, um, like, if I had to grade this, I'd probably give it, like, an 8.5. Wow. Like, I'd, I, give it, I, I was, I'd give it a 7.5. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it a lot. Good stuff. And now it is time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? Well, I just talked about it, so I'm going to nominate Elizabeth Moss. Um, you know, we're going to... She she loses a few points being a Scientologist, but uh, wow, the budget was seven million dollars. That's incredible. Damn. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, she was amazing in Mad Men. I've always thought she is gorgeous. She's got this unique look. Yeah. That she's got these eyes that are I don't know. She's just she's an amazing actress. Yeah. Get him to the Greek. Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Where is she in Get Him to the Greek? She's, she's Jonah Hill's girlfriend. Oh, I don't remember that. I have to rewatch that. Well, she's a she's doc. A she's a doctor. And she had some funny scenes. Oh thing. shit, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. We just miss him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, she's great. I love her. Yeah, I'm gonna nominate Dave Filoni. Um, we've talked before about him being the the heir apparent to George Lucas with Star Wars. Um, they worked together doing the Clone Wars. I loved what he did with Rebels. He's been involved in Mandalorian. And now with uh, Clone Wars coming back, he's finally getting the finish. Um, what kind of brought him to the forefront, and um, you know, very happy for him. Uh, he's just a phenomenal storyteller, and so going Dave Filoni. All right, I'm going to nominate uh, a lesser-known name, uh, Saul Rubinek, who's you might know him from. He's kind of a character actor. He was he was the crazy, like coked-out uh, producer in True Romance. And, um, Lee, I, was it Don, Lee Donowitz? Lee Donowitz, yeah. Look at the picture from this angle. I think I know exactly who that is. Yeah. 
And um, he kind of he kind of talks out of the side of his mouth. When yeah, he, he was on, on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. He, he was. An he tried. Human. He tried to kidnap Data. Yeah. Anyway, he's. Uh, I just got finished watching the entire first season of of uh, Killers. Oh, not Killers. I'm sorry, Hunters on uh, on Amazon. And you know, Al Pacino and Logan Lerman are kind of like the two stars of it. But he plays one of the guys that's just kind of on their little team and he's like he plays like a the spouse of Carol Kane plays his wife and they're both holo- it takes place in the 70s and they're both holocaust survivors and it's there's a lot of him dealing with he doesn't even believe like they're they're you know they're very all the people in the in the group are very like in depth in their Jewish faith and he's kind of he doesn't even believe in God anymore because they lost a child in the in the in the camps in the Holocaust and that's why he's in it to kind of get revenge for that and it's just his whole struggle and I just thought he did a, just a, it was just a very good performance all around from him and that and I was just kind of blown away by how, how good he was in it uh, and I'm going to nominate John Oliver <clears throat> I watched the uh, this most recent episode just a clip on his main story about the coronavirus and he's always very good at taking a, uh, an issue and breaking it down into something that you know helps you understand it a lot better, but also kind of really kind of puts you at ease with it. And the thing with the coronavirus is one of the things that has you know kind of been bandied about is that first of all, it, he tells you where it started, it breaks down some of the myths about it, but also the advice at the end is pretty simple. It's like don't freak out, but at the same time, don't you know throw caution into the wind. And I think someone like him in this era where we always want to doubt news and like where the real news is in between the, the punchlines, his uh, weekly show is where I kind of go to get a lot of the, the information that I need. And it's done in a, in a funny way that makes it easy to digest and explain to others. So it, right now with all this panic going on, I think he's a, kind of a bit of a hero. So if you had to vote for someone other than your own, who would it be? I would vote for Dave Filoni. I would vote for Elizabeth Moss because I'm just I'm also fresh off of watching that movie. Um, I think I'd go with John Oliver. Because hmm. you're right, I like the way that he actually does tell the news and then he kind of pokes fun at it. But he actually made a, a reference to uh to to Kylo Ren. Well, well, the actor that plays I'm drawing by Adam, uh, Adam Driver, Driver. And, and how hot he is th- this week, which is kind of funny. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Star Wars the movie. I'm gonna go with Dave Filoni on this too. I think again, I, like every story, like I, I love Rebels. I loved, you know, what I've seen of the Clone Wars and everything. And yeah, him being the heir apparent, uh, he created the Sokatana. Yeah, like I, I I just really think that that that's a great mind that needs to get, be given more to do. So Dave Filoni for me. Hmm? You forgot something. Oh, I, I did forget something. But uh, R.I.P. Oh, we, yeah, lo- we we'll, lost someone special. To well, us. well, let's let's crown first. We'll we'll crown Dave Filoni. And, yeah. You know, again, if you want to come visit us and bring whatever cowboy hat you want to yeah, wear. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd enjoy you that regaling hat. us with tales. <laughs> of, of, <laughs> he he could wear whatever shit kicker hat he he wants. Damn right. Um, but yeah, I can't believe that I that I. I it's mostly because I don't want to believe it. But uh, yeah, just today we we're recording on a Monday. We just the news just broke a few hours ago that we lost Mr. Lipton, James Lipton, at, at age of ninety three. I didn't realize he was that old. I didn't I didn't he, was he, old. Looked, he looked great. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing with James Lipton is we kind of all discovered him by Saturday Night Live having Will Ferrell. Yes. <laughs> you know, make a joke. when you actually kind of watched inside the actor studio. That's a man who had such a love of mm-hmm. of film and just acting in general, uh, and you great know, interviewer great, too, a phenomenal interviewer. And that's kind of you know the, the joke about the questionnaire. Yeah, uh, Bernard Thibault. Yeah, 
So I, like we even use that in our, our get to know a villager segments, but it, it, he's a man who like I, I always loved watching. Like Gunn and I would get together and just randomly watch it inside the actor studio episode. And when you got these people to talk about over an hour, you really got to know these people. Yeah. I love the John Travolta one for some I was about to bring that up. Yeah. It really kind of, you know, despite, again, being a Scientologist, uh, I really enjoyed uh, John Travolta talking about his process growing up, about how when he had limited money, if he had like a $5 bill, he could either go see a, 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 a rent or he could go see a French film and kind of get a little bit. So he did something that was not, right. you know... What you would normally consider. Plus, he did a lot of impressions of Christopher uh, Nicholas Cage, which oh, the, the fine piece of glass. You ever just need a fine piece of glass? No. <laughs> that was a good. The Tom Cruise one, also a Scientologist. But Tom, yeah. That one was very good too. Because, and then I remember James Lipton after talking about how much time Tom Cruise spent after they finished filming, just talking to the students. Yeah, it's it, like he did a lot of like cast interviews with like the Family Guy cast, Simpsons cast, and things like yeah. that. And it was always very interesting to see what he chose to focus on from their careers and what really moved him. Remember, Bradley Cooper was the one person who was a student of his that then was the guest. Yeah. yeah, I saw a clip not that long ago when Sean Penn was on and Bradley Cooper was a student in the audience right. asking questions. Sean Penn's one of the ones that insisted on smoking on the stage. <laughs> he is Sean Penn. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it, it's on my wall. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, I haven't I haven't seen things that he's done in a while. I remember when Arrested Development and, and a few things that he's done. He was the warden. That's right. He yeah. was. Remember when he would show up on Conan O'Brien and uh, yes, do the spoken word poems of um, Kevin Federline's uh, <laughs> yeah. rap songs. And that's the thing. He was always a good sport, ready to make fun of himself, ready to be in uh, in different things. I just I, I can't. I can't trust enough that this really this hit me more than I yeah. expected it yeah. to. But I was with Ryan. I had no idea he was this I, old. Me neither, right. yeah. Like, God bless him. He lived a long life, and he, lo- he looked fantastic for me in, in his 90s. Mm-hmm. So, All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Please so. remember, as always, to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Listen to the podcast. Subscribe. Let us know what you think. If you want to support us, Ryan's all we're down for endorsements. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I'll whore myself out for anything. There it is. And get on the cans. If we start a Patreon account, let us know if you'd want that to be one of the prizes, Ryan, to whore himself out of the $20 sure. level. Yeah, whatever. That would, make, that, that, that would make me happy. I'll send nudes. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, you got to have different, like, uh, all the different levels of prices. I mean, That's right. For Patreon. Yeah, yeah. For nudes. For hand stuff. I mean, yeah, you different know. tiers, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Greg. John. Ryan. And Glenn. We'll see you next week.